Well, good morning, church. What a joy it is to be back with you. I would, I would say that I am super joyed uh, to be back with you along uh, with our family. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, God used them to strengthen me through the journey. And I got to tell you, as difficult as the physical pain was, I had some really sweet time with the Lord. I got to tell you, for months, I have been laboring in prayer over some issues, things in my life personally, and then in our church collectively, and it's as if God had me right where he wanted me to be in that little room cooped up, because I tell you, he gave me some clarity on some things, and, and, and that really in many ways is thanks to your prayers for the spiritual strength that God would give me, the physical strength he would grant me. So thank you so much, and uh, thanks be to God for my precious wife, who was the MVP uh, throughout the entire uh, process, balancing our children. So uh, thank you as well, uh, Ember. Well, I tell you today, church, we are in week two, which was supposed to happen last week when it comes to church structure. And today we zero in on the second part of structure. Now, I want you to go ahead and mark in your calendar, because next week... And the week after, before we get back into the book of Colossians, remember that book Colossians we were in? Uh, We're we're coming back, uh, but we're going to take two more weeks kind of in this same series, and I'm going to preach two sermons on what is covenant church membership. Is there a biblical case that you would be a member of a church first week? The second week, I'm going to address uh, things I've heard as a pastor, things I hear in church life about, well, I don't need to be a member. I just need to go to church. I don't have to be a member. And I'm going to address some of those things. And we're going to just let the Bible lead us in two weeks to really talk what is the beauty of biblical covenant membership? And is covenant membership different than just membership? And that's sort of a new wrinkle. So I want to let the Word of God, and we want to let the Word of God lead everything that we do here. And membership, sort of a big deal. And I want to show you why from the Scripture I believe it is such a big deal. So uh, mark your calendar. Be here next week and the week after. Uh, Also, if you ever miss a time, we do have a live stream. And I always encourage you to go back and to listen to and to keep up with where God is is leading us. Again, the live stream, if you're on live stream, thank you so much for joining us. The intent was never for you to stay on the live stream. The intent was for you to be plugged into a body, but it's a great drive-through, and we're so glad uh, that you are with us this morning. Well, friends, Acts chapter 6, if you have your Bible, and let's pray this morning. Let's ask God for help. Amen? Our Father, we come to you today. Uh, What a joy it is to be together as a body of those who have called upon the name of the Lord and been saved. Those who have got in a baptistry somewhere and said, I am dead to myself. I have followed Jesus Christ. I no longer look to anything outside of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that I can stand before this body and say that I am a new creation in Christ. And Lord, I just want to pray for those in our midst, maybe who've never had that experience. They've never called upon the name of the Lord and been saved. They really don't even understand what that really means. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a body to always be sensitive to that reality, Father, that uh, you want to use this body of believers to be a vehicle for your glory 
in, in this room, but, but also in Northeast Ohio, in Parma, and ultimately around the world. So Lord, may we never get caught up in the, 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 the forest and we miss the trees that are right in front of us. And at the same time, Lord, help us never be so focused on the trees that we miss the forest, what you're doing globally around the world. And Lord, on this Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, I just have to believe that, Lord, there's maybe someone watching online or they're here and in their past they have a decision that they, they w- wish they could take back, Lord, and, and even right now they're in that sense of shame over that decision. Lord, would you just wrap your arms around them real tight right now? Would you just reveal your love to them real tight right now? And Lord, would you help them see that, that abortion is not the unpardonable sin, Lord, that it can be forgiven and restoration can occur. Lord, we we want that for them. Uh, I pray for anyone in this room who is in shame today over whatever, Lord, in the past, that they would find freedom in Christ and freedom from the good news of the gospel. And Lord, now as we turn our attention to what you have for us today, uh, we're ready to eat. We're hungry. We're ready to eat what you have for us. So, Lord, I I pray as the meal is served now, your word that you would help us get get our spiritual forks and, and knives and feast upon what you have for us. And, Lord, we can't eat without you, so we need your help. We need your help, Lord. Go where I can't go. Open hearts, open minds. Lord, help us as a body to really be stubborn when it comes to taking your word seriously, both individually and then as a body. And Lord, thank you for restoring my health. Thank you for an immune system that is strong. And God, I praise you for that. And I pray for those in our congregation right now who are hurting physically, spiritually, mentally, that your grace would be upon them. Those who have surgeries coming up soon, those who can't be here this morning for a number of issues, Lord God, would you meet them right now in a way that they would know this is the Lord, this is his presence, this is his provision, this is his power in my life. God, do that. Do it for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And we all say, there is no such thing as churchless Christianity. There's no such thing as churchless Christianity. Any more than there is such a thing as Christless Christianity. It is the will of God that every one of his beloved children, every one of his little sheep, would find themselves connected to a local body of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They, having received Christ and love Christ and follow Christ and are satisfied in Christ, would be a lover, a supporter, a member, and an active participant in the life of a body somewhere. That is the will of God for your life, and if that is not your reality, then I would submit to you, according to the authority of the Word of God, you are out of the will of God, because Jesus loves His church. In fact, uh, our personal love and our personal passion for the, the, the global body of Christ and the local expression 
of the body of Christ, like Pleasant Valley Church, our love for this church and our passion for this church and our love for brothers and sisters all over the world and local bodies of churches all over the world, what should fuel our love and passion for the church is our love and passion for Jesus himself. That when you truly love Jesus, you will love his church. And God's word makes it really clear that when people ask me, who runs PVC? Who runs PVC? Now, you may say, that's kind of a bold question, but I get asked it a lot. Who runs the church? Or they form it in kind of however they want to, who leads the church, yada, yada. I am not being hyper-spiritual when I say, well, Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ runs the church. Jesus Christ runs this church. And Jesus has made it very clear in his authoritative word via Holy Scripture that when it comes to who should lead the church physically on earth, in his stead, under his authority, for his goodwill, for his good pleasure, for the beauty of his beautiful name, that that has been given to God-appointed, Scripture-qualified and church-affirmed men. And those men have the title in Scripture of a, of a number of different titles, but the same office. The office of elder, the office of, depending on your translation, overseer, uh, the office of pastor, or some of your translations, the office of bishop. That we believe in the autonomy, what the Bible says, of the local church, that we, we under Jesus' authority, govern this body. And elders together are sharing the leadership of this body. It's not one, one man in charge. It is a team or a plurality of staff elders and lay elders. Those who are paid by the church, staff elder. Those who are not paid by the church, lay elder, lay overseer, lay pastor, or if you like, lay bishop. Whatever the title, it's one office. And what motivates men to do this is not the profit that they get financially, it's not the praise of other people. It's not the power that comes with the office. It's ultimately that one day, along with all the other sheep in the world, elders will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, before the chief shepherd, and our desire is we want to hear him say, well done, well done. You depended on the Spirit, and, you got, and, 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 and I used you to shepherd the ones that I gave to you, not by ownership, but by stewardship. Now, 1 Peter 5 makes it clear, as elders do the work of an elder, as elders do the work, overseers do the work, their goal is to be an example to you all, an example to the flock an example in how we love God and how we love each other and, and how we sacrifice ourselves for the good of, of, of the, 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 the body of Christ and, 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 and how we uh, are generous in giving and uh, devoted to our wives, devoted to our families. Ultimately, that we are doggedly committed stubbornly to everything the Word of God sets forth both in our personal life and in the body. And you might say, well, what's the job of an elder? Well, very simple. I have it here. We looked at it a few weeks ago. It's to feed the flock the Word of God. It's to protect the flock with the Word of God. It's to lead the flock 
with the Word of God, and it's to care for the flock, to care for the flock from the Word. of. If you cut an elder, you know what should come out? Bible. If you cut my vein right here, Bible should just flow out. We call it bibline. I don't have a bloodline, I just have a bibline. And I'm so full of the Word of God that if you cut me, verses just pour out of me because I've given myself to the ministry of the Word in my own life, the life of my wife, and, and my, my little church, my little flock, which is named Ember, Eden, and Theophilus. That's my little church. And, and the Scripture says, if I can't manage them, then I, uh, how could I ever manage this? And so it must start there, where, where an elder gets his significance, and, and in many ways, his, 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 uh, his first flock is his family. And so an elder should bleed Bible. Now today we move to the second office that Jesus has put in his church, namely that of deacon. Now the Greek word for deacon that is used some 29 times in the New Testament, it's the Greek word diakonos. Could you say that with me? Diakonos. See it? Diakonos. And um, it literally means to serve as a verb, to serve. Even in secular writings, all right, outside of Scripture, I'm thinking 400 B.C., when we first see diakonos, the word diakonos, come into just secular society, a diakonos in Greek culture, a diakonos in Roman culture was one who served, literally served tables, a waiter, one who was a, a busboy, a bus girl, one who would go around and, and meet the needs that needed to be addressed. So the primary meaning is to serve. But then the secondary meaning is a messenger who is sent in service to accomplish a given task. So as the church began to grow, as the church began to grow numerically, the office of deacon began to develop. So stay with me. As the church begins to grow numerically and more disciples, more people are believing on the Lord Jesus and they're being saved in a community, an ecclesia, a, a group of called out individuals are beginning to get together and meet together and form together, look at the apostles' doctrine together, pray together, eat together, baptize together, eat the Lord's Supper together, and all the togethers. As, as that's beginning to happen, um, this, this notion of deacon begins to emerge. Now, it's in its embryonic stage, by the way. It's just an embryo at this point. It, it, but, but as the church grows, it gets more formal. It gets more formalized where it goes from a verb to a noun, where it goes from something that you do to actually something a person actually is by office and by title and also by function. So much so, uh, when Paul writes to the Philippian church, notice who it's addressed to in Philippians 1 and verse 1. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants, doulos, slaves, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints, called out ones, the believers, the followers of Jesus, in Christ Jesus who live in Philippi, who are at Philippi. Now, that takes place, Acts 16, you probably remember, there's a, a very wealthy woman there named Lydia, seller of purple. She's a wealthy woman. She opens her home up, and the church at Philippi is born. Well, Acts chapter 
16 is where we begin to see this office go from being a verb to actually now becoming a noun. Because notice who he addresses it to. He addresses it to the episkopos, the overseers, the elders, the pastors, and the diakonos, that is, the, the deacons. So if you looked at the etymology of the word, or the origin of the word diakonos, it's a, it's a compound word, okay? So dia means through or across, through or across, and notice konos means dust. So you put the word together, the compound word, a deacon is one who is kicking up dust in service to the Lord. A deacon has a, has a dust trail behind them. Everywhere they're doing, they're moving around quickly, they're taking care of tasks, they're doing what needs to be done, a need arises, boom, I'll take care of it, boom, I'll take care of it, and there's this dust trail behind them because they're just constantly on the move serving the Lord. That's literally what a deacon means. It means one who is his serving through the dust. Let me help you get a feel of the flavor of the word. So in all three, or all 29 of the times that diakonos is translated in the New Testament, all but three is servant or minister. But let me help you get a flavor of the word, okay? Let me show you a few verses. I'm going to scratch out deep service. I'm going to put deacon, okay? So, so look at this. Uh, Matthew 20, 26 to 28. Whoever would be great among you must be your deacon. Servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, your doulos. Even as the Son of Man came not to be deaconed, but to deacon, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, now notice what else Jesus says in the next verse, Mark 9, 35. And he sat down and called the twelve, the apostles, and he said to them, if anyone's going to be first, going to be first, you must be last of all and deacon of all. And then the last one here I'll show you is John 12, 26. If anyone deacons me, Jesus says, if anyone serves me, if anyone deacons me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my deacon be also. If anyone deacons me, the Father will honor him. So let me tell you this. All of us are called by Jesus to be kicking up dust in serving him in concert with the gifting he has put within us. Amen? So all of us should have a dust trail behind us. All of us should be using the gifts God has given us to serve him and serve this body. This church should just be full of dust because everyone is going around doing what they know God has called them to do and called them to be, and, and somehow the Spirit of God keeps us unified in the midst of all the dust that's just flying around. That's really a picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So there's an aspect, watch this now, that you, we're all deacons. We're all deacons. We're all servants. We're all called by the commander-in-chief to serve him the way the Spirit of God has gifted this. And, and so part of being a member of a church is to serve. You know, the goal that we would have and the Bible would have is that every member would recognize they're a minister, right? You can, it's bad to be a minister and not be in ministry. Amen? So if you're a 
a servant of Jesus, that means you know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, that means you love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, that means that you are a child of God. So therefore, I just want to implore you this morning, kick some dust up, would you? Kick some dust up. Use the gifting God has given you. Right now, you, you may say, Jordan, I'm serving. I mean, I, I got my hand in this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. Can I tell you something? On the authority of the Word of God, thank you. We praise God for you. We would not be functioning the way that we are without you. So, so thank you for using your gifting and, and your calling. You are a blessing in seen ways and unseen ways, ways I know and ways I don't know that God is using you, okay? So we bless the Lord, and I personally bless the Lord as our lead pastor for everyone in this body who kicks up dust in service to King Jesus. Now here's the reality. Some of us in this room are not serving. Some of us in this room uh, are, are, are servants we're members of the church, but we're not serving. So I want to hate on you, but I do want to tell you this, that we as elders right now are putting together a comprehensive list of our ministry teams. Who are our ministry teams? What are the function of our ministry teams? Uh, what, 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 what is the gifting of the body? And then we're going to make that list available, and there's places where we desire that, that will help you understand how God has gifted me and then connect you with the ministry team so you as a minister can be in ministry. So pray about that. Pray about how God wants to use you. He's always already using me. Praise God. But if he's not, and you haven't made yourself available, then I'm so excited for you in 2023, because I'm going to tell you something. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. The batteries were included when he saved you. Everything he, everything in you, he's given you everything that you need to serve him the way he wants you to serve him. So you're not less than, you're not less important because you do this and you don't do that. No, no, hands stop looking at toes and toes stop looking at noses and saying, well, I wish I were like that. No, you don't want to be like that because that's not who you are. You're who God made you to be, bro. You're who God made you to be, sister. And therefore, the most attractive thing in the world is a child of God being the child of God. God saved that child of God to be. Amen? <sighs> So in one sense, we're all deacons, but there's a sense in which we're not all deacons. So we're all deacons in one sense, but in another sense, we're not all deacons. Because as the church began to grow, um, it warranted a particular group to form that would provide a particular service to the other members of the church. So in Acts 6, that John, our brother, read for us, um, you see an office beginning to form. You, you, you see it, the, 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 the embryonic stage here, remember? In Acts 6, the office is not yet, yet established. But this is the foundation that deacons will sit on. This is, the, this is the seedbed that deacons will sit on. Even to this day, this is where deacons begin. A couple of things to point out that I think you really need to keep in mind as we read this passage. Number one, um, the apostles are functioning like forerunners to elders. Let that, let that sit for a moment. The apostles in this passage are, are like forerunners to elders. They're setting the example of what an elder should do and function. The seven are functioning like forerunners to deacons. So they're showing the foundation of what a deacon will always be. So notice the situation. We got a, we got a, we got a, a situation here. Because the church is growing numerically. The church at this point is made of a Jew 
and Gentile, from, from Genesis 12 and forward, predominantly God is working through the Jewish nation, bringing His salvation through a number of types and shadows, and, and He is relating to His people based on a sacrificial system. And now, Acts 2, the Spirit of God comes, and the Spirit of God begins to bring both Jew and Gentile into the body of Christ. And so the church is made up of Hellenistic Jews. Those are Jews, those are transplants. Those are, those are ones who, who lived outside of Palestine, but in Acts 2, when the festival of Pentecost happened, they, they came into the region of Palestine to celebrate the festival. Mixed in those Hellenistic Jews in the church are Jewish Jews or Hebrew-speaking Jews. That's, that's those who, I mean, you know, we're, we're from around here. We grew up here. We, 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 you know, this is our town. We're from Palestine. We're from Jerusalem. And so you've got these two different, one Greek-speaking Jew and one Hebrew-speaking Jew. I won't get into why some spoke Greek and some spoke Hebrew. For our purposes, just know that Hebrew and Jew Speak, uh, Hebrew-speaking and Hellenistic, Greek-speaking Jews have come together under the banner of we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a situation arises. Notice verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing, let me pause there. The word Christians used very rarely in the Bible. I would suggest to you that we use the word disciple more than we use the word Christian. It's not that the word Christian is not important. The word Christian means little Christ. So you should be a little Christ. People see you, hang out with you. So they say, man, you act like Jesus. Man, you talk like Jesus. Why? Because you're a little Christ. But we see the word disciple used a ton of times. It's just a side note. It really has nothing to do with the sermon. But disciples, the disciples are growing. The church is in the thousands now, all right? Started with 3,000, then five, then seven. The church is, I mean, taking off. And look what happens. Isn't this, isn't this what always happens when things take off? We don't have this problem here, thankfully. A complaint. And aren't you glad we don't have complaints at Pleasant Valley Church? Man, I just praise God that we got to be in a church that has no complainers. Now, you know that's not true. But a complaint by the Hellenists. Remember those Hellenists? Those are the ones who are not from around here, right? Those are the ones who speak Greek and have come here to Palestine. And it arose against the Hebrews. Remember, those are the ones who are from here and spoke, you know, they're true Jews, they, 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 they think. Because their widows, here's the problem, because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. And let me just add, a food, daily distribution of food. Now, this is the problem. Uh, these Hellenists are saying, there's no equity among us. Our widows, like you, the, these Jewish, Hebrew-speaking Jews, their widows are all sitting over there you know, full to the brim, all is well, and then our poor widows, look at them over there. You know, they're not even getting to eat. Apostles do something. Step up. Probably wasn't that jarring, but help us, help us, help us, help us, help us. That's really the intent. Help us out here. So the apostles, they're wrestling with a question here. What are we supposed to do? How are we going to handle this? Do we, do we stop what we're doing and go kind of get together, a, you know, form a committee or a team or, you know, a, you eat this day, B, do we do all that? Or, or do, we, do we look among us and see, is God raising some people up to meet that need? Well, notice the solution. And the 12 summon, that's the 12 apostles. They summon the full number of the disciples. This is what they said. It's not right. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to, to deacon tables. Literally what it means, to deacon tables, to serve tables, verb form. 
Therefore, brothers, and it should say sisters, Adelphoi, brothers and sisters, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit, of wisdom, and we will appoint them to this duty. But, big but, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the deaconing, to the ministry of the Word. So the apostles say, uh, uh, you, you seven, you men, you take care of the deaconing of the tables because we believe it's right for us to prioritize prayer and the deaconing or the serving or the feeding or the protecting of the Word of God to the people. So you deacon the tables, we'll deacon the Word. You deacon the tables, we're going to deacon, we're going to prioritize prayer in our lives. You know, sometimes the criticism from some Bible scholars is they say, well, we don't find the noun deacon here, we only find the verb to serve or the ministry of. And so therefore, this can't be talking about deacons. Well, that's true, that you don't see the noun form here. But again, this is my argument. The office has not yet been established. This is in an embryonic stage. This is the church growing, God the Spirit moving upon the apostles to meet needs, and, and, and this begins to flow out by the time you get... Ten chapters later to Philippi, you now have an office, so much so that the apostle is writing to the elders, to the deacons, and to the saints who are in Philippi. But, but again, this is the seedbed. Not, the, the office is not formal yet, but it will be. So what can we learn from this when it comes to the role of a deacon? I see a couple of things. Number one, uh, deacons serve in a multiplicity of ways a multiplicity of ways, so that, here's the reason, elders can prioritize prayer and deaconing the Word. Now here, I'll just call these seven proto-deacons. These proto-deacons are used by God to pour salve on, an, on, on, on a wound that could have been a major infection in the life of this body. I mean, it got real close, got real close to having a disaster on their hands, and yet these deacons stepped in. S second of all, deacons safeguard issues that can become divisive in a church. Do you know there are some, are, are some divisive, some, there are possibly some divisive issues among us that if they are not addressed and if they are not taken care of, then, then like, uh, 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 like, like ants building a, a nest or uh, like, you know, what are those bugs that eat the wood? Thank you. Termites. Like termites will begin to eat this thing to death if they are not addressed. So deacons, um, deacons are, are fine-tuned to issues in a body that could divide us. In this particular instance, these Greek-speaking Christians had a problem with the Hebrew-speaking Christians, and that can cause a massive division. But I want to tell you something. This was not a culinary squabble. There is a root here, a sudden and satanic threat to church unity. And I mind you, the very unity that Jesus bled for, the very unity that Jesus died for, and so deacons are shock absorbers. They don't provide shock. They absorb the shock. If a man is habitually contentious, like that's his modus operandi, he just wants to be contentious, hot-headed, 
easily offended, he will not make a very good deacon. Because he will put gas on fires that already exist, or he will spark new ones. A contentious, brash person habitually can cause headaches that deacons were actually meant to relieve in a body. So deacons have a conflict radar. Not suspiciously. Not like, hey, what are you doing over there? Hey, 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 hey. Not like suspicious, but they just, they're tenderly on the lookout for things in our body that could potentially, like termites, eat us away and begin to slowly but surely crumble us. You know churches that have massive issues and massive problems and found, do you think they crumbled overnight? No, termites got in. No, but everybody thought, oh, it's fine. We got, we got nickels are good, noses are good. Everything's fine. They didn't realize that behind the rafters and behind the sheetrock of the church, there were termites that were eating away. And because those issues were not handled, now the thing crumbled. And everybody's like, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Deacons didn't deacon. Elders didn't elder. And the church was a casualty, a casualty of deep, deep infections. See, deacons are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. You know what a peacekeeper is? I'll just keep the peace. Just kind of walk around in an eggshell. No, deacons are not peacekeepers. Jesus never called you to keep the peace. He called you to make peace. A peacemaker. You know what a peacemaker does? A peacemaker goes and has the hard conversations. A peacemaker goes and says, hey, bro, can we have coffee? Hey, can we talk? And, and have a gracious, loving, but direct conversation about an issue to make peace in the life of the body. See, deacons love solutions more than drama. Did you know some people just like drama? Did you know that? I hope you're not one of them. But some people just like stuff stirred up. If it's not stirred up, then they'll stir it up. If that's you, you don't need to be a deacon. Because if you like drama, you will not make a good deacon. See, Les, Les Miles, you know Les Miles, maybe. Former, in a, former head coach, LSU Tigers. You remember in 2017, um, he's interviewed, and they ask him about Death Valley. Now, for those of you who don't know about Death Valley, Death Valley is the nickname for the stadium where the LSU Tigers play. And they ask him about the LSU Tigers, and this is what he said. You probably remember this. He said, athletic dreams come to Death Valley to die. In other words, teams that walk in this stadium and they think that they've got some kind of aspirations they're going to die here. Can I tell you another quote about deacons? Gossip and drama should go to die where deacons are. Drama and turmoil and disunity, they go to deacons to die. Because when they get in on, the, on, the, on the proverbial desk of a deacon, a deacon says, I will make peace, I will do what I need to do to help salvage this situation, and it all stops right here with me. I'm going to take care of the issue, and we are going to make sure that this termite doesn't eat us alive. So deacons are those who unite. They fight, but they fight for the unity of the church. Not divisive. They love the elders. They love the direction of the church. They love where it's going. They want to support it. They don't talk up bad. If they have a challenge with something an elder does, they come talk to the elder the way Matthew 18 says you should do it. They don't tell everybody else but the person they have problems with. That's what a deacon does. They serve in a multiplicity of ways, and they safeguard issues. They sniff those issues out. Now turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm not going to go through this passage, but I want to read it in its entirety just to show you this office of, of deacon. Just give me a few more minutes here, friends. This is really important. 
Um, in, in verses 1 to 7 of 1 Timothy 3, Paul says to young 18, 19-year-old Pastor Timothy, Elder Timothy, Overseer Timothy, Bishop Timothy, he says, Timothy, listen, you're a young pastor. You're going to go to Ephesus. That church has got all pro- kinds of problems, bro. The, the Ephesian church was a wreck when Timothy arrives there to pastor his first church. And guess what? Paul says, you need elders, though. You need men to stand beside you in the, in the fight for biblical health. And so here's seven qualifications that you need to look for when it goes to raising up someone to serve beside you, young Timothy. And then he says, likewise. Notice in verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, uh, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, 11, likewise. A new paragraph. Must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. 12. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. 4.13. Those who serve well, deacon well, as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, one, one qualification that God calls the deacon to not have, that he calls the elder to have, is an elder must be able to teach. Now, it doesn't mean a deacon can't teach. You remember Philip, who's one of the original proto-deacons. Philip is a flaming evangelist. Remember that chariot situation? Remember when he says, hey, you know, do you understand what you're reading? Remember that? That's Philip. That's, that, that's deacon Philip, okay? Acts 7. Arguably, in my opinion, the greatest sermon preached in the Bible is in Acts chapter 7. As we see Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, get up and indict the Sanhedrin for killing Jesus. What an amazing sermon. That was Deacon Stephen. So it doesn't mean that deacons can't teach, friends. It doesn't mean deacons can't preach. It just means they don't have to have that qualification to be a deacon, although they certainly can teach per the gifting that the Spirit of God has put on them. So when you go out today, um, I want to encourage you to pick up uh, what we put together, which is a, basically a commentary on 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13. Below it, you'll see the interpretation that we stand with of, of, of the qualifications of who a deacon is. You'll also see who can be nominated to be a deacon. You'll see who our current deacons are. Uh, you'll see the timeline. You'll see the next step. Next step is to pray, review qualifications, pray, review our current membership, fast, repeat, nominate. So we're not just saying, you know, open this list up and say, yeah, 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 I think she, yeah, yeah, he'd do good. No, I know you think, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, you might. So let's just safeguard that, that we really want you to pray and consider the passage Uh, If you don't have our Breeze and you're a member, our Breeze app is our church management software. So all of our members, almost all but a couple, have not just their name and address, but also their picture. And so if if you need that and you want to, you can have Breeze on your phone where you can get it out and you can see, you know, when you walk up and maybe you're new here, you're a new member and you see Ember and I and you're like, man, what is is their kids' names? Eden and Thea. You can, you can cheat real quick in the bathroom, look it up, and then come out and say, hey, Eden, hey, Theophilus, how you doing? I'll never know. I'll never know that you didn't remember our children's name. 
So you can cheat that way. If you don't have that, I really encourage you to get that because it's, it's a way for you to pray, for you to look through and, 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 and familiarize yourself with who we are. But secondly, if, if you say, well, who's a member of the church? I don't really, I don't do all that technology stuff. I, I, you know, I run the microwave, that's it. Well, out here as well are some, is a list of our current members that you can also look from and pray over. I want to encourage you to fast about this as well. Fasting means I'm not eating on purpose for spiritual reasons. I'm giving up meat and potatoes for spiritual riches. So I want to encourage you this week to not, to not eat dinner, not eat breakfast. Choose one meal and say, instead of masticate, I'm going to meditate. Instead of masticating on the food, I'm going to meditate upon what the Bible says, upon our current membership, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to provide me names of individuals that will write on a little form that will be out there, and I'm going to put in a little acrylic box over the next three weeks. And then only our elders are going to see those nominations. We're going to take those. We're going to pray over them. The reason the church is selecting these, this is the, this is the way we see it originally happening. The, the body looked and said who. So that, that's where we get that whole idea. This is not American democracy, okay? This is not the American government coming into the church. This is the way they did it. So this is the way we want to follow as well. So, so get that. Please pray over that. Fast about that. Look at that and join us in that, okay? So uh, what I hope you see as we close here is that deacons are like offensive linemen, okay? Deacons are like offensive linemen in football. They rarely get attention. They rarely get accolades, but man, are they important. Man, are they important because they stand guard of the most prized possession in the whole church, which is the Word of God, which is the deacon, deaconing of the Word, which is the, the, the prayer in the life of the, the church leaders. And um, without the deacons, let me tell you something, elders would get sacked with a barrage of practical demands. Now, elders are certainly not above practical demands. We do practical demands all the time. But it's just not our primary function via King Jesus. For we've been given the duty to make sure that we are, have time to give ourselves to the Word of God, to prayer. Now, we have uh, five deacons serving right now. I'll show you a picture of them. Oh. <laughs> See Adam Corby there? He's got the ball in the middle. There's, uh, there's Greg Cosell right there on the right. And uh, there's Anthony Fleshman holding the tackle down over there. Uh, I mean, you got John Beckless over here just, just asking that defensive guy to come over and ask him something. I mean, these, the, Mike Moxell, he's on the far right side, you know, the, he, he's guarding right there. I mean, you, you see that? Those are deacons. I, and I thought about if I would have had time and I was kind of... Uh, uh, able to do it, I would have put all their faces on those linemen. Wouldn't that have been good? <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Deacons have a meeting once a month. Check it out. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> They're gathered around the Word of God. They're opening the Word of God. There's an elder there. There's an elder there talking about uh, what have we done and what are we going to do and how are we going to do it and how are we praying. And so there's a deacon. Once a month, to be a deacon, you've got to commit to get in the huddle. At least once a month. Could be more. But here's the actual goal. We need more deacons. Check it out. Here they come. See, they're, I mean, they do their job. They're not illustrious. Most of them are not going to, you know, they get all pro, first team, second team, whatever. But they're, they're not going to be the topic of conversation for most. But man, without them, what, what would, what, what, what? And by the way, by the way, if you need a team that is still in the playoffs, Ember and I are on the bus, Cowboys bus, and we got a seat for you. 
The, the bus is headed to Arizona, and it's leaving this afternoon, so I'm just kidding. But if you need a team, you can sit next to me and Ember on the Cowboys bus. But I think you get the point, right? Deacons are like offensive linemen. Deacons are protecting the most prized possession in the life of the church, which is the ball, the Word of God, and the one who is deaconing the Word, the elder, the overseer, the leader. See, faithful deacons should see their fingerprints all over the church they quietly serve. Because deacons love to solve problems, they don't want credit, they don't want to toot their own horn, they're not angling for authority, but they're a safe pair of spirit-driven hands. A safe pair, a very safe pair. Faithful deacons should see their fingerprints on every sermon who say with humility, I love to serve because it frees up our pastor, frees up our pastors to give himself to prayer so that when he stands before us and he preaches the Word of God, he's actually preaching the Word of God, not just something that he grabbed during the song service or grabbed on the internet last night, but he's actually preaching and dicing up the Word of God for us. See, a deacon should see his fingerprints on every single sermon that's ever preached from this pulpit because what you do, deacons, enables me to do what I do. Faithful deacons should see their fingerprints in the unity of the church. You should look around and say, man, the church is unified. You know why? Because deacons are deaconing. Deacons are doing their job, looking for the termites, and graciously peacemaking them. Faithful deacons should see their fingerprints on the welfare of the church. Because a deacon says, you know what, I saw a need, I met a need, I didn't need, the, to, I didn't need a trophy for doing things I should. Hello. I didn't need a trophy for doing things that I should already be doing. Because I recruited volunteers, our pastors didn't have to spend all that time doing that, I just took care of it. Because I deferred to the elders when a complex issue came to me, I went to them and said, hey, here's what's going on, what do you think? And I saw the beauty of wisdom from the elders. Deacon says, because I love that senior saint, and I held her hand, and I cried with her, and I put my arm around him, he believes that God's actually in control of his situation now. I restored him back to spiritual health. I helped him. I was the triage. I ran in and did it. Not for my glory, but for God's glory. See, when elders and deacons work together in this complementary relationship, the, 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 the potential's massive because the gospel can go forth. Not that church officers do all the ministry, and everyone else just shows up on Sunday and gets their religious goods and services and goes home and cheers on the cowboys. But listen, we lead and facilitate ministry. I want you to think about it like this. Elders and deacons are on the supply line. You're on the front line. We're on the supply line. You're on the front line. You're the one who's doing the work of the ministry. We're the ones who's equipping you to do it. But I'm in the, I want to be in the background as much as I can because I want to equip you and enable you to go do what God's called you to do and called you to be. We're, 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 we're on the back line. You're on the front line. Think about it like this. Elders lead ministry. Deacons facilitate ministry. Congregation does ministry. Lead, facilitate, does ministry. So again, we're all deacons, we're all serving, and we all need each other as we serve King Jesus in the Scripture together. Because friends, Pleasant Valley Church is a vehicle for the glory of God. Amen? It's a vehicle for the glory of God. Friends, outside this door are people who are dying and going to hell. They need to hear the good news of the gospel. Amen? People in Parma, I meet them all the time. I meet them from Satu's to Fast Eddie's to all these other restaurants. You know where I hang out. And they don't know Jesus. The nations need the gospel 
And we, friends, we as a church want to provide that. Because Jesus, Philippians 2, 6, notice this, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Notice what Jesus did. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Ultimately, can I tell you this as we close? Jesus deaconed us. Jesus deaconed us. By living the life we could not live and dying the death we should have died so that now we can deacon him back. He served us. He deaconed us. And now we get to deacon him. Now we get to serve him. But you won't serve him if you don't love him and you won't love him if you don't know him. And if you don't know him, then that means that you have not been born again. You know, we sang that song, right? That said, I was an orphan lost at the fall running away when I'd hear you call. Father, you came after me. You ran after me. And, and friends, here's the reality is that um, Jesus was our substitute. You know what a substitute is? You had a substitute in school. They stand in to complete the job of the normal teacher. And friends, that's what Jesus did. He came as our substitute, living the life we couldn't live, dying the death that we should have died. But friend, you've got to receive him. You've got to receive his saving work in your life. To receive him means to welcome him. It means to say, I am a sinner. It means that, that I, 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 I don't know God. I'm not right with God. I, I need Christ. And you turn from looking to anything but Jesus, and you turn to Christ alone. I want to ask you, friend, have you done that? Have you done that? Have you? Has there been a time in your life where the good news of the gospel just over, friend, if you're online, have you done that? Have you done that? Where you had a point in time where you said, I am a sinner. I don't know Christ. I believe, I want to believe on him. That's called receiving Christ. It's called the good news of the gospel. And friend, if you have not, and if you have not here, I love you. And we love you, and we want that for you so bad. And I'm praying for you. And I'm asking God to soften your heart. To pour out His grace upon you. Let's pray together toward that end. Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you for the instructions that you've really made clear in your word. And we ask you that you would enable us by the Spirit to faithfully fulfill what you've called us to be as your people. Lord, you are our chief shepherd. Lord, give us wisdom over these next several weeks. What an exciting time in the life of this church. As your people here at PVC prayerfully discern individuals to nominate to this office, Lord, let only your will be done. Protect us, Lord, from our will. I pray that this would be good for your church. Lord, let your anointing rest upon us. Thank you, Father, for our brother deacons now who serve and enable me to even do this very thing, to deacon the Word. Would you raise up others, Lord, to, to get in line beside them, to serve and protect the, 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 the Word of God, protect the, the leadership, Lord, from getting sacked by a barrage of really important things, really important things. And at the same time, Lord, we need structure. We need a complementarian relationship. So, Lord, would you do that to glorify your name? Uh, furthermore, Lord, would you cause someone or someones to see Jesus through the eyes of faith today? Lord, help them see in, in, in light of, of who you are that they have no hope of being right with you, God. And at the same time, 
the good news of the gospel is, Lord, you demonstrated your love for us in that while we were ugly and we were sinners, you died, oh Lord. There are some here who don't get that, who don't know that, who don't believe that. Would you overwhelm them with your love, overwhelm them with your truth? Help them tell somebody today. It's so important to tell somebody. And finally, Lord, we bless your name for this deacon process. Uh, we're seeking to honor your word and how we go about this. So would you pour your grace out upon us? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you, uh, again, let this entire thing be an edification to our body? We pray protection from the enemy, Lord. We know that he loves to kill and steal and destroy. We know that he loves to, to cause a mess. And so, Lord, may we all know that we have a job to be spiritually sensitive to his lies and to get up the shield of faith and put on the breastplate of righteousness and bird on, gird on the belt, truth, and, and dispel those darts. Lord, protect this body. May we grow the way that you desire us to grow, both spiritually and numerically, for your glory, for our good, we ask in Jesus' name. As we stand to our feet, friends, could we sing together in response to God's word?